Welcome back to Small Town Missing. I'm Thomas. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And if you can't hear it, it is currently pouring down, raining outside. I can hear it on our metal roof upstairs up above it. us. Um, and I'm watching as the rain is pouring out onto the steps. I know. It is beautiful. We're going to narrate it. This is Thomas's uh, audition for some book or something that he's going to narrate. Heavy droplets <laughs> yes. fall slowly on. Actually, it's not very slow. That's not bad. It's falling rapidly. It's falling rapidly in heavy drops. Soaking um, everything through the grass, bright green. It is not bright green. <laughs> stop it. It is anything but bright green right, right now. <laughs> um, there was uh, one interesting thing. Uh, it, it's been so it's so nice to get to sit down with you guys again. It's been a while since we've done this. Uh-huh. It's been so long. I know. AKA, we record these episodes in advance. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, we, re- we try to record two every time we record. So. Yeah, it's just to have uh, one on the uh, back burner a little bit. So if you haven't heard it yet, we have a podcast episode out last week uh colt what was his last name uh colt haynes and molly miller miller yes yeah. so good so and check out that one that it's not like a, we just recorded it at all that's like i know it's like that's like a reddit uh thread just in a case like i feel like there's so many options like if, if you ever go to reddit you'll see so many speculations that's one of those cases they would speculate on oh yeah definitely there's just so many ways you can turn on that oh 100 we had 18 different theories by the end of it you know oh yeah even ones we didn't discuss on the podcast i know kind of just off uh off the mic here yeah but all right, we're going to get into this episode. Oh, y'all. I'm so excited to talk about this. Hey, Rhonda, you know why this one is so special to me? This was my first Crime Junkie episode. This, really? This case. And this is exactly... Really? Yep, it sure was. <gasps> I remember this one. This one was good. Yeah. Even, even Thomas knows this was one of the many yeah, rides I took I him on where I was listening to Crime Junkie. Yeah, he's told me about that, being a captive audience. Yes. yes I told we know he is that. not a crime junkie. Nope. I said, no, well, I'm you kind of were too. I kind of made you guys go on a trip one time and listen to a couple episodes. I oh, think. yeah. Yes. You sold me on it after that. It was like, this yes. is awesome. <laughs> See, I, no, I, I'm not a fan. I, I mean, I like their stuff occasionally. It's just, I, I don't like dark and depressing crap. I like. You picked the wrong thing to go into, sir. Did I pick this? You picked it. Uh huh. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, li- I am a stereotype American. I, li- I like my movies to have a happy ending. <sighs> I don't like the. Oh, they all died. Well, now wait a minute. Now this is a missing person podcast. Yeah, we don't necessarily know. Yeah, what that's not a happy ending. These people being still gone is not a happy ending. Well, we're gonna have some good ones intermixed in there eventually, where eventually. it's like found, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but the reason I love this case so much is because you know, for a long time, I think it was one of those ones that if you heard anything online or anything about it, you were like, "Well, gosh, I just know that this is a solvable case. It's one of those ones that you just really want to solve it." And um, they actually had a development this year. Like when I was making this episode, like a couple or, you know, researching it, a development happened literally days ago, like while I was researching this. So I think this was, it must have been fate is what I'm saying. What's the word? Fortuitous? (laughs) Exactly. But I'm so excited to to get you to narrate this for me, Rhonda. Not a problem. And uh, yeah, I I like, uh, I like what you've got here. So let's, let's go ahead and get started. Okay. All right, uh, and as Will said, a lot of information accessed uh, for this case. There's a lot of stuff out there, and the, some of this information came from a YouTube video on Danielle Holland's page, so yes. shout out to her. She was so good. I, I think um, she is a, a, a pretty avid true crime person on YouTube, and y'all, y'all should see, like, there are so many people like that now, and her video is really good. Cool. Uh, Brittany Drexel was 17 years old when she went missing from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Brittany grew up in Rochester, New York, and lived with her mother, Dawn, and her adopted father, 
Chad Drexel. Now, although Chad wasn't Brittany's biological father, she treated him as as if he were. Yes. Her, I, mm-hmm. her biological father biological father wasn't in the picture until shortly before Brittany's disappearance on April twenty fifth, two thousand and nine. Yes, and 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 the thing that's really sad about this case too, Rhonda, and what we'll talk about is that every single thing that happened in this case, I think like all the things had to fall in line and it, for for this to have happened to Brittany, you know, for her to be kidnapped and, you know, missing. And it, it's just so sad. Like, I feel like if any one of the things that we talk about in the story didn't happen that way, then it all could have turned out differently. Like one thing didn't happen. I you know, she, who's to say maybe or whether or not it, it could have been different. So it's just, a, it's a sad case that y'all, you know, come to find out about. Oh, Definitely. Uh, so now uh, let's tell you just a little bit about Brittany herself. Uh, she was a junior in high school when her parents decided to split up and she really didn't take the divorce well and was acting out, skipping school and evenly apparently overdosed two separate times on her mother's pain medication. Yeah. And I, that's so sad too. You know, I mean, I think we've all been kids, you know, and if something, especially with our family isn't going right and things aren't well at home. Like you just kind of find little ways to act out sometimes. And you know, I think that's just, that could be applied to everybody. Yeah. Oh, I would say so. Now, although Brittany was struggling around this time, all of her friends and her boyfriend knew that she wanted to escape the obstacles in her life by going on a trip with her older friends to Myrtle beach for spring break. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seniors would normally go there to spend the week of spring break. And Brittany, even though she was only a junior at the time was no exception. And she was friends with the older students. So she wanted to go with them. Now, both her parents, however, were not big on the idea at all. Uh, she asked her mom multiple days in a row for weeks preceding the trip, and each time Dawn refused. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, my mom wouldn't have let me go on a trip like that either. Oh, no, mine either. But we all know how it is when kids just go, can I, can I, can I? Why not? Why not? Why <laughs> Thomas, not? was that you as a kid? I feel like that was probably you. Not when it came to trips. Not tri- You're not a big uh, traveler person, though, no, for sure. I but-, but I don't think I did stuff like that <laughs> once, I, once I was past a certain age. Mm, probably not. Well, I mean, I feel like, too, it, it's just like, you know, she's a young teenage girl. She wants to kind of find herself and everything, and she wants to go on a trip with her friends. I think that's completely normal. Oh, I think so, too. I mean, if your friends are going somewhere, it's like, yeah, I, I want to go. Oh, exactly. Especially, like, on a beach trip. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, devastated, Brittany packed a bag and seemingly went to stay with a friend. Brittany maintained contact with her mother throughout uh, with text messages and phone conversations convincing her that she was spending spring break over at her friend's house. Oh, that's kind of, I'm telling you, I mean, my mom would have like been very, if I would have done that or something like that, like had a friend across town or, or something, you know, that she went to stay with, like, I'm sure my mom would have been like, send me a picture or something like that to make sure you're there. Especially if I, if I was gone for a few days. And I think Brittany just had it all kind of planned. She was going to, you know, kind of try to, convince her mom like oh i'm gonna send her these fake pictures and we're doing this and that you know and and she had a plan i mean she was a smart girl it sounds like yeah oh definitely um so obviously this isn't the case and and Brittany ended up going to myrtle beach uh, with the her older friends arriving there april 23rd 2009 Mm -hmm. now throughout the trip she'd send her mother fake information in an attempt to conceal her true whereabouts Although conversations between Brittany and her boyfriend, John, indicated that Brittany was having a good time initially, all this changed during the second day of the trip. Yeah, and I, I hate that, too, because um, I, 
I have my, I don't know if y'all are kind of like this. Like if I have a certain group, like I have my four and no more, as I like to call them. If I have like, you know, friends that I'm not as familiar with, I'm, I kind of isolate myself a little bit and you'll kind of find out why she did this. But yes, especially if it's people you're not super familiar with, you know, uh, not feeling comfortable with, yeah. um, you might start to alienate yourself a little bit. Yeah. Well, her older friends while on the trip began using illicit drugs, which Brittany wasn't a fan of. Mm-hmm. Fan of. Uh, she began alienating herself from these individuals. An old acquaintance named Peter Borowitz, a 20-year-old nightclub promoter Brittany knew from Rochester, saved her from her loneliness. He and a group of friends were in Myrtle Beach at the time. Brittany knew him, so she hung out with him. Uh, and she knew he was staying at the Blue Water Resort, which is only about a mile from the Bar Harbor Hotel where she was staying. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like right down. The, and you know how beaches are? Like, Thomas, you remember when we went to, like, you know, certain beaches and stuff and or like Gulf Shores or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, you have the Strip, which has all the hotels and stuff yeah. like it. And that's every beach. Like, every beach kind of has that. It'll have hotels and usually some, like little beach shack that sells burgers and yeah. seafood. Yeah. And like, it's a very well-traveled place. Area, yeah. You know, it's not like this is like, oh, you know, there's nobody here. I mean, there's like always people there on the strip. Oh yeah. Myrtle yeah. beach. I can only oh, imagine how crowded huge. that is. I think, yeah. And, and, and I think, um, the video, Danielle's video was like, oh yeah. Like at the time, like this place was like separated into two separate big areas. You know, I think you had like, it was just a big area. I mean, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, area to explore and to you know potentially i guess get lost but you wouldn't think it would happen because it's so publicly traveled yeah i would agree all right that saturday the day before Brittany and her friends were going to leave she decided to go to the blue water resort to hang out with peter a little bit more and at 8 15 uh britney was spotted on security cameras walking to the resort now do we know a uh, will how far apart this was yeah, I think the they two, said, said they about were a mile or so. A mile or so. So okay. um, I think it was, um, and we'll kind of mention it a little bit later. I think it was about a 15-minute walk uh, to where Brittany would have been picked up on a camera, you know, supposedly. So, I mean, this isn't out of the realm of possibility to walk. It wasn't as if this was like a 10-mile trek. It's, it's very much so a walking distance. Okay. Uh, so at 8.15, she was spotted on security cameras. She was walking to the resort. And shortly after this, Brittany was called back to her hotel, her hotel by one of her friends demanding that Brittany return a pair of shorts to her. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, I w- and like, I'm not blaming that friend. I don't, you know, of course, I'm sure she feels terrible. But also, like, right, right in that moment, the one pair of shorts that Brittany borrowed in that moment, like, that's what you need, you know? Yeah. That sucks. Uh, so Brittany began her trip back to her hotel at 8.48 p.m., it was never seen or heard from again. Mm-hmm. After several attempts to get Brittany to respond to his messages, John notified Dawn of Brittany's true location. Dawn was not happy. Definitely not. Although Dawn was angry at first, anger quickly turned to worry as she realized that her daughter was missing in an extremely populated area. Uh, John, the boyfriend, then called a friend of Brittany's in North Carolina to drive to Myrtle Beach to fill a missing persons report out on Brittany's behalf. Yeah, I think they were 14 hours away. Like, I mean, this wasn't like, you know, uh, you could just go down to the police station and file something. It would be like, oh, I got to go to South Carolina, you know, 14 hours away. So they just called the friend thinking that it would help in that instance. Yeah, and yeah, while the friend was filling all this out, Brittany's family and John began, as you said, a 14-hour drive down to Myrtle Beach. Now, initially, the 
police thought Brittany may have just run away. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't suspect foul play because Brittany was a teenager and it was spring break. Uh, She's probably out having fun, being just a a typical teenager. Yeah, that's what I would. Hey, that's what I do. An investigation did begin on April 26th, the day following Brittany's disappearance. Investigators discovered that Peter and his friends left the Blue Water Resort around 2 a.m. the following morning without receiving their deposit back on their room. Suspicious. Yeah, and Peter then lawyered up a fact that would seem suspicious at the time, and rightly so. Yeah. After looking into Peter and his friends further, it was determined that the boys had left the hotel after family members discovered their true location, and uh, I suppose all their alibis checked out. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I did see one thing that I think Don had confronted Peter on, like a lot of episodes on, like Doctor Phil, just because of how. Because yeah, they, like, I mean, this was a very publicized case. So I think that they went on Doctor Phil to kind of talk about it. Um, so yeah, I guess it was determined eventually that Peter's alibis checked out. But yeah, leaving that following day, two a.m., and then lawyering up, it, it is suspicious. I can't lie yeah, about that. No, no doubt. Uh, investigators discovered it would take about 15 minutes for Brittany to make it to a traffic cam on the boulevard. Although they were hoping Brittany would be picked up on the camera, she never was. Mm. After the police checked Brittany's phone records, it was unfortunately discovered that her phone pinged seven miles south of Myrtle Beach only minutes after her last text message with her boyfriend. <sighs> Y'all, that is so scary. Could you imagine, Rhonda, like, you know, God forbid, I'm, I'm not wishing this into the world, but like if, if you had known that, you know, Thomas or somebody in your family was walking down a certain way and you're like, okay, I know they're going this direction, like back towards the hotel. And then minutes after like receiving another location, you're like, oh, wow, they're seven miles away south of where they just initially were. Like, they're in a car. Somebody yeah. has them. Uh, yeah, obviously. She was in a car and she wasn't walking. Yeah. Now, hours later, her phone pinged 50 miles south of Myrtle Beach in Georgetown. The area Brittany's phone last pinged before dying was not particularly well-traveled. The area itself was gator-infested, and police knew that Brittany was probably not to be found alive if her kidnapper took her to this specific area. Yeah, if it's like a swamp or something like that, like I I don't get the best vibe from that mm, for no, sure. No, I wouldn't either. And after a long and perilous search that included searching the areas with poisonous snakes and insects, nothing was found indicating Brittany had ever been in the area. Eight months later, a tip was called in. Eight months. Eight months. Isn't that crazy, though? It's like, I'm sure they had other... And, you know, just saying, I, I kind of uh, shortened a little bit of the stuff that was in the video, too, because a lot of it, I think, you know, can be surmised as, hey, we had tips. It's We didn't really lead to anywhere. So I, I just kind of included that. But I think there was a lot of tips that were being called in at the time because, I mean, you know, this was a well-traveled area. I'm sure they got a, a ton of tips. But, yeah, yeah no, nothing, I, guess. I guess, sustainable, really. Right. And from this from this tip, um, police were able to uncover a pair of sunglasses in an area just north of their previous searches. The glasses didn't appear weathered at all, especially if they'd been exposed to the elements for months. After forensic testing of the glasses were performed, uh, they couldn't be linked to Brittany at all. And the case appears to go cold for a while after this. Yeah, and I I think it was just kind of thought that uh, the person who maybe called the tip in about, you know, oh, you know, might search a little bit north, like maybe they got a pair of sunglasses and just deliberately took them out just to uh, kind of maybe steer the police in a different direction. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Which is so terrible. I mean, that's just diverting resources away. Just that's taxpayers' dollars at work and you're just wasting them. Yeah. Well, in June of 2016, the FBI posted a $25,000 reward for information on Brittany's case. In August of that same year, 
New developments were obtained from a bond hearing for a man named Timothy Deshaun Taylor, allegedly a man named Daquan Brown, another South Carolina inmate serving time for manslaughter, had witnessed Brittany's death in a McClellanville, South Carolina stash house while attempting to give Taylor's father money. Allegedly, Taquan saw Brittany getting sexually assaulted, pistol pistol whipped, sorry about that, and eventually heard her get shot twice by Deshaun's father. And we don't know for sure whether or not Deshaun's father was the one that did this. I think in in the story, it basically says that he saw um, Deshaun's father go back into the house, and then he heard two gunshots. So we don't know for sure who allegedly shot Brittany, but it. I think he assumed that it was him. Because he had just walked into the Yeah, house. because he had just walked in. Gotcha. Uh, yep. Her body was then dumped in one of the many alligator ponds in the area. Timothy Deshaun Taylor denies this ever having happened, although both Deshaun and his father had been on police radar due to Deshaun's father being uh, having attempted to kidnap a woman one month after Brittany's disappearance on the same beach boulevard. Yeah, so apparently I think a month after this, like it, it was a very similar story to Brittany. Um, just allegedly, like I guess he pulled up and tried to abduct her, and I think she was only able to get away because she elbowed one of the attackers in, in the face and basically ran away. But yeah, it's just it's a weird coincidence. It's a very similar, um, I guess, idea as a you know Brittany maybe having had the same kind of uh, fate a little bit. Well, do you know if it was like, at night also? Or? So I I don't believe so. I, I think if I remember correctly, and I might not be remembering it correctly, I think it was like kind of in the middle of the day, just how, um you know, uh, it's it's kind of late in the summer. So I'm sure like there was light there. So who knows? Yeah, I would think so. All right. Uh, Deshaun, or spring, sorry. Deshaun was initially interviewed about Brittany's case in 2009. Apparently he was told he passed a lie detector test and that was that. Yeah. He was only 16 around this time. I don't know what that is. I hear a beeping. If y'all hear a beeping, it's over there. Got it. Don't worry about it. All good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In 2016, Deshaun was once again investigated in Brittany's case by the FBI, who remembered his initial his initial interviews from 2009 and recent violent offenses, one of which was a 2011 robbery at a McDonald's where manager had been shot. Yes. And, and what you, um, I think a lot of this too, like happened in, in 2016, like we said, and, The FBI had recently been transferred over the case and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think as they were going back and reviewing files, it seems like they kind of pinpointed on Deshaun. And then he had only gotten, I think, just like maybe two or three years, like probation or something like that for this offense. And like other people that, you know, contributed to it got years in prison. So I don't know if maybe they were thinking like, well, we're going to get this guy for the robbery and all this stuff. And I I didn't think they could, but I think he went to um, on trial again for the robbery. I wouldn't think you could do that because of double jeopardy though. Oh yeah, I would think so. So, uh, so he was used like as a scapegoat by the FBI. Yeah. So I think that's what a lot of people think if you kind of like research the case and, uh, but yes, so, so, I mean, he, I, ha- I wanted to include him here. And, um, but yeah, so, I mean, just take all of that with a very, very much like grain of salt. You okay. Know? Yeah. Well, whatever the ten- intentions of the FBI, FBI may be, Deshaun, according to his mother in an interview about the entire situation, was apparently in school during the time that Brittany would have been killed. Daquan Brown, the inmate we mentioned previously, was serving time for a manslaughter charge. So maybe the pointing, uh, pointing the finger at Deshaun. 
uh, would have given him a lesser sentence. Yeah, we hear that all the time. Yeah, we do. Uh, two individuals Taquan allegedly saw at the stash house were even in prison at the time. So, you know, there's really no merit to his testimony. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, especially if, if you know, and I think uh, the way Danielle kind of talks about it in her video is like, and this was all just kind of speculation by her. She's just saying, you know, he's in there for manslaughter. You know, maybe he's going to, since the FBI is kind of looking for new leads in the case, maybe if he corroborates and says, hey, yeah, that's the man you're looking for, then maybe he can get some time off. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to say that we actually do have a solution to this case, although it's definitely not one we would prefer. Mm -hmm. Uh, This next part is the new development in Brittany's case that actually happened in May of this year. Yes, and I I had just seen it. I think it was like May 21st or something like that. Yeah. Eventually, Deshaun, whose life had been explicitly... Inexplicably? There you go. (laughs) What, What Will said... I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, this was Will's sentence here. This is my here. script. Yes, this is my script, script here. So, uh, change due to the kidnapping murder allegations was pardoned when Raymond Moody, a 62-year-old serial sex offender, was arrested in May of 2022 after Brittany's remains were discovered in a wooded area near Georgetown County, South yes. Carolina. That's so, you know, it, it's a sad thing, but also, like, I'm very happy for the family to finally have, like, closure, closure for her. Yeah. Yeah, allegedly, Raymond Moody had been on police radar as early as 2012. Police investigators uh, led searchers to the remains, which were approximately 2.5 miles away near a motel Moody had been living in when Brittany initially went missing. Yes, and, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, if he was on police radar as early as 2012, why didn't we hear about him? Yeah, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. And also, like, he has sex violate. You know, like, he, he has, like, sex crimes that are already... You know, if, if you think that this was a sexually motivated crime, which I, you know, if, you know, I hate to say that, but anytime a young girl is kind of like abducted, like in plain sight, I always kind of like have that little inkling. And I'm just like, why didn't we hear about him? Why was Deshaun the one that we heard about? Yeah, that is odd. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, it's believed that uh, Brittany had been sexually assaulted and strangled at the Santee River. And then her body was moved to Old Town Avenue, close to the Harmony Township subdivision. Moody had been charged with kidnapping, murder, and criminal sex conduct relating to Brittany's case and had strangled her the day she initially disappeared. So she didn't, he killed her that day, just within hours. Yeah, so we we think that he probably killed her within hours. And the thing is, is that, um, and I, it's one of those things where, People had, over the years, and even in like the Crime Junkie episode and stuff like that, they had speculated that maybe Britney was, you know, sold into sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she was not at least spared of years of that, but also like her life was taken away at 17 years old. That's just terrible. Yeah. And he'd gotten out of prison in 2014 after serving half of a 42-year prison sentence for kidnapping and raping seven girls under the age of 14. Yeah. Why do you only get 42 years for that? Like yeah, that's well, weird too. Well, why did he only have to? Why did he only serve half of it? Why is he alive? <laughs> yeah, who's to say whether or not Brittany would still be alive today if Moody was still behind bars? Yeah, yeah. Although her case has been solved, Dawn and her family lost a daughter that undoubtedly had a bright future ahead of her. Uh, the family's received closure, but their lives have been inherently changed forever. 
And that's the case, you guys, of Brittany Drexel, which I'm, you know, I was hoping that um, Ashley Flowers would have a continuation of this too, because she did such a good job on hers. And, um, you know, uh, I, there's so much information about the case out there. And I think you'll find a lot of like red herrings, especially with Deshaun and his family, which I hate that too, because like my mom said, she's like, our lives have been changed forever because of that. You know, like you can only go so far. And like, it, you know, even though it's a big place, it's a small town whenever uh, people are talking badly about you and your family for things that you didn't even do. Yeah, that's a lot of detail. Yeah. To to go nowhere. Yeah. Well, and like it's weird to me that like uh, you know, somehow they're trying to pinpoint him for a manslaughter or like you know for shooting a guy at McDonald's. Like that's uh, that's weird. I don't see how the the things are are correlated at all, but also like, you know, uh, jailhouse informants I just really tend to take with a very huge grain of salt. And uh, I'm sure there are good ones out there, but there's a lot of bad ones too. Yeah, yeah, anything to you know, get from out from behind bars earlier or just to get out to lead somebody on a wild goose chase. Yeah. I just hate that Brittany, who was such a young girl and stuff too. And like, you know, she didn't know anything about like, I think, you know, you, you don't have an inkling of, of that kind of life or you don't have any kind of way of being like, Oh, you know, I, this might be the last time I walk somewhere. Or like I might have to look over my back and stuff like that, you know, just to make sure nobody's out to get me, especially being a young, vulnerable 17 year old girl in a place, in a huge place like Myrtle Beach, you you don't really think, you think you're kind of like above all that when you're that age. Like, well, I didn't think, think that. You think you're immortal. Yeah, like, yeah and, and you're you, not. That's you, the thing. Y'all just have to be careful. You have no sense of danger. No, at all. And 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 I do like that we had like a resolution to it, but it it is sad. It's it's very sad. And um, I, I just pray for her and her family, honestly. Well, thank y'all so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Till next week.